This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. I am a wealthy, wealthy man when it comes to relationships, and I'm very thankful. So many in this room, you've moved from being just church attenders to being great friends, um, and I'm blessed with, uh, with uh, decades of connecting nationally, internationally, that I have great friends all over the world, and um, there's a lot of benefits to that, of just advice and wisdom and laughter and, and relationship, but uh, part of the joy of that is I get to meet some brilliant, breathtaking people that love God and that are on the cutting edge of making a difference in his church uh, internationally and nationally. Today, you're in for a treat. One of my best friends, one of uh, um, the best leaders in our nation, uh, is in town this weekend, and I said, you cannot be in town without coming and speaking to us as a church. He was here a year and a half ago. Paul is uh, really the national director for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada for church multiplication. His, if you cut him, he would bleed church planting. He is all about, can we get new churches and healthy churches in every community from, from, from coast to coast, from north and south? Can we get healthy churches? We need more churches and more what's happening here, more people understanding that God is for them and not against them, healthy communities. And Paul is traveling coast to coast all over North America, um, training and equipping and mobilizing and inspiring. And today, we get to welcome him. He's a Calgary Flames fan, so don't hold that against him, um, but he's having a great hair day. Can we welcome my friend, Paul Frazier? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Hey, that wasn't bad for a Sunday morning, but we'll, I think you do a bit better. Good morning. Hey, man, it's early for me. I don't know if I've ever preached this early ever. Like, this is 7.30 a.m. my time. I just flew in late last night. So if I stumble over my words, that's actually normal and has nothing to do with my tiredness. Oh, thank you for that courtesy laugh. That was very kind. I love coming to the East. It's always so kind. Uh, thank you, pastors Mike and Nance, for allowing, uh, allowing me to be here. And they're... Our friendship is getting deeper and deeper. We just literally pick up where we left off. I, I hope you appreciate what you've got. Uh, they are fantastic. Can you show your appreciation to them? I want you to know that I tell this story, this Nova Church story all over Canada. Uh, you guys are, are part of something really, really special. You may just know, you just may wake up and, and go to church on Sunday morning and you drive in and there's nice people here and there's good coffee and the weather behaves itself most of the time and uh, you come here. But I want you to know that this is a story we tell across Canada. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep going, to keep believing, to keep dreaming, to look beyond even what, uh, you know, what's happening here, to dream for multiplication, to dream for more, to dream for more Nova churches. We, we probably only need about 100,000 more Nova churches. So we got lots of room, okay? So keep dreaming, keep believing. Uh, I'm married, uh, four kids. My kids are 16 to 22 and uh, love them. And I want you to know that they bless me to be here. Uh, when, we, when we do stuff together uh, in ministry, we do it as a family. We make a family decision. I live in Edmonton. I am a Calgary Flames fan. So I was raised in southern Alberta. And so in the 80s, some of you weren't even born then, but for those of you who were, remember the Oilers were winning all the Stanley Cups in the 80s. Okay, I was a bit, a bit surprised there'd be claps there. But anyways, uh, and uh, but but 
I, I just stuck to my guns and, became, and stayed a Calgary Flames fan, living in Edmonton. Uh, my office, though, like where my desk is, is in Mississauga. So I, it's, a, it's a decent commute. Uh, every now and then I get there uh, maybe once a month. And, and I get this wonderful opportunity to travel across Canada to see churches like this, to speak in churches like this, and, uh, and, to, and to push. Because here's the deal. Uh, right now, the, the most effective way to reach people far from God is church planting. And so I want you to know that you are part of a great movement and a part of a bigger family of 1,054 churches plus 117 multi-sites. So you're part of something uh, in our nation. And so when you give to this, you're giving to it all. When you're partnering with this, you're partnering with a much bigger family. And we work interdenominationally, and we're, we're, we're all in this because we want to see... Uh, Every Canadian have an access point to the gospel. Do you believe that? Can you, can, you, can you get alongside that vision and just believe for a better day? So I, I want to encourage you today. Uh, the title of my talk is uh, God's Plan in Four Verbs. God's Plan in Four Verbs. Uh, how many people know that the future can be unsettling? You know, looking around in the uncertainty of it. And because of that stress, often what we want to do is we want to take control of it. In fact, uh, we're even in, encouraged by society that you control your future. You're in charge of you. And, and uh, it's a false assumption because you can't actually control your future, right? I think we can only really control one thing as it relates to our future because we're only one doctor's appointment away from everything changing, one accident, uh, one bad friendship, one bad business decision, one bad date, other tough choices and situations as well. Really, all you have control over is this. Who's going to lead your future? Is it you or is it God? At best, you and I, we can only manage or react to our future. It's your free will, though. You get to choose. Are you going to allow you to lead it, or are you going to allow God? Do you want the God who knows the beginning to the end of your life, who formed you in your mother's womb, who knows every hair on your head? For me today, it's quite easy to count. Buddy, thank you. Another, another great hairdo out there. <laughs> But he knows your passions, his, your desires. He knows everything about you. Did you know that, that everything private to you is public to God? And so maybe you've been doing it your way. How are things going? I found this scripture not that long ago. It's in Psalms uh, 78, uh, verses 70 to 72. And in it, there are four verbs that we're just going to quickly talk through today. And I have seen these four verbs happen over and over and over in my life. In fact, this is how God has worked in my life. I've, I've observed it in other leaders. But if it's only just me and David the psalmist, that's fine. Maybe you can take something from it. But I bet that if you look back at your life and you look back at the seasons of your life, that God works in you with these four verbs. And so my encouragement to you today is to show you how I think he works, what he does, and why putting your full trust in him should be the preferred course of action. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, you can take almost every time you see the word faith and put trust in there because that's really what it is. You putting your trust in God. 
<clears throat> so Psalm 78, so if you've got your phones <laughs> or a Bible, uh, Psalm 78, verses 70, 72, it's going to be up on the screen, and it says this, and it's about David. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens, he took David from tending the ewes and the lambs, and he made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people. So God, as we go into your word today, I'm very aware that I can't, there's no words in me that's going to change anyone's life. But, but if you speak, God, if you say words of life, we, we read from your scriptures, it's living and active. We have this living hope. We're praying, God, for you to open up our hearts and minds. Would you speak and would you bring encouragement today? And if you agreed with that prayer, why don't you say amen? The first verb is this. He chose. He chose his servant, David. <clears throat> Two important things. God chooses you and you have extreme value to him. Paul the Apostle, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, talked about adoption versus biological in, like as it relates to uh, children. You see, adoption didn't make sense to the Jewish community because everything was about bloodlines. So he was preaching to uh, an audience that, that was uh, more familiar with Roman law. And in Roman law, uh, you know, they, they, had some, they made room for adoption. And adoption was this. In Roman law, you could reject your biological son but you could never reject an adopted son. So for my son, I have a son, I have two sons, uh, Jamin and Caden, and if they're misbehaving, you know, under Roman law, I could kick them out. You get out. You're out. You're out. And, and I could go to the judge, and I can get it all sorted out, and they go, yeah, you, you can do that. It's not wise. It's not very nice, uh, but you could do that. Why? Because you didn't choose them. They were given to you. Okay. But if I, let's say I adopted Pastor Mike, you know, he became my son, even though he's older than me, but let's just roll with it. And I, I adopted him. Uh, I could kick out Jamin, but I could never kick out him. Why? Because I chose him. I adopted him. Which is why the father, when he sent his son Jesus to the cross, and Jesus says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because he was his son. He could reject him because he was his son. But we're adopted sons and daughters. So that means we could never, ever, 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 ever be rejected. Maybe, okay, I'll back up a bit. Maybe you woke up this morning and you were thinking, man, I'm looking for a good place to say hallelujah, amen, that's good preacher, uh, praise the Lord, something, you know. And you're just sitting there, what? Maybe I'll say it, you know, I'll say amen at the end of lunch after a really, really good lunch. Or maybe I'm going to say it. Amen. If you're looking for a really, really good place, that was a good place to say amen. I'm just helping the crowd out today so that you can maybe give me some help. I'll say it to you again. Did you know that God chooses you so he could never, ever, 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 ever reject you? Thank you. Help a preacher out. I'm a, help an Albertan out, would you? He can never reject you. Yeah, but I, I, but I do stupid things and I make mistakes. Yeah, but he could never reject you. Why? Because Jesus took all of that on his shoulders on the cross. He paid for our sin. 
paid for our mistakes. And it's interesting, so he chooses you. I want you to know you're chosen by him. I love how he talks about David being a servant. I wish I had more time to unpack that, but, but David was a servant. He was a servant to King Saul. Even though Saul tried to kill him, he served. The, he could have killed Saul. Even when he got anointed as king, he could have killed Saul, and he didn't because it wasn't David's time. And God saw that David would become something better. God chooses you because he loves you right now. He chooses you because uh, he accepts you right now. And he sees what you're going to become. You're here for a reason. I remember growing up as, as a youth and going to conferences. This one pastor would always come through, it seems like, in Alberta. And he said, the two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. You know, God chooses you. He's got a plan for you. The second verb is this, he called him from the sheep pens. Did you know being a shepherd was not a popular thing? You never went around and bragged, what do you do for, I'm a carpenter. Like, wow, that's good, that sounds fascinating. What are you in the Bible times? I'm a rocket scientist. Wow, a bit ahead of your time. <laughs> going, going around and, what are you doing? This, what are you? I'm a shepherd. Ooh. You know, you could smell them before you could see them. They're always with the sheep. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. It was the last job you wanted. It was the lowest class in society. Uh, Back in the day, they were slightly above lepers. If you had leprosy and you were kicked out of the community, you'd have to be on the outside looking in. The shepherds were on the outside looking in. They weren't allowed to participate in the Jewish festivals and celebrations. You were put as a shepherd because they thought you at least would be smarter than sheep, right? Because sheep, nobody says, wow, that person's as smart as a sheep. Man, look at, look at old sheep brain over there. Wow. Or you're courageous as a sheep. You know? And just, wow, I just wish I could be a sheep. You know, when, when God says that we're sheep, that's not a compliment. He's not saying you guys are awesome. He's like, all sheep, they get led astray. They need a shepherd. And so... So David is serving in the sheep pens. The story is, Samuel the prophet's about to anoint a new king. Saul's, Saul's on his way out. God's looking to place the mantle on somebody new. And he goes to Jesse, which was David's dad, and says, bring all the boys together. And he brought most of the boys together. And Samuel gets there and he goes, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. He says, he looks at him, he's like, is there anybody else here? That needs to be anointed, because I've come to anoint one of your sons as king, but none of them are right. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 David. He's in the sheep pens. He goes, we're not sitting down until he gets here. I don't know if you've ever been overlooked, but aren't you glad today that God isn't always looking for the obvious leaders? I'm not an obvious leader. I make mistakes. I'm so glad that, that God looks at what I'll become, maybe not what I am at the moment. And Saul, you know, of course, is the king before David. The Bible says he's head and shoulders above everyone else, physical features, stature, outside appearances. He's got incredible Instagram and social media. Stage ministry is fantastic. But, but I, I, I trust people who have served well in the sheep pens. 
you know, pastors Mike and Nancy who served well in the sheep pens. There's things there that are important. Uh, I've been in the sheep pens. In leadership, I often don't trust someone who hasn't served well because doing the things everyone is able to do but few are willing to do. Those are the people that God is looking at. And here's David being faithful with the little. Did you know that if you're faithful with the little, God trusts you with more? By the way, I still look for sheep pen moments. I I like those moments because I remember how I grew. In fact, I may have grown the most as a leader when nobody was watching in those sheep pens. 30 years of Jesus, basically being anonymous. But then for, for 3.5 years, absolutely changes the world. By the way, did you know that pastors are not the only people who are called? You are all called. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. So whether you're attending a campus, a university, or work, or you're doing a, a, a ministry... We're all called. You are all light in darkness. You have to see yourself as a missionary. Charles Spurgeon says this, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Did you know you're called? Yeah, but I, I only work here. I only do this, and I don't have responsibilities, and I don't lead anyone. And that You're called there because you're in a, God puts you there for a reason. You're there to bring light. You're there to be salt. You're there to, 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 to see the freedom of God flow through your life and through your testimony. Are you willing to serve in the sheep pens? Are you willing to go to those places where God is calling you? Will you persevere in your studies? Will you put the time in, work hard when no one is looking? Take the jobs no one else wants because that's the door God's asking you to walk through? And not be bitter when others less qualified get promotions, even though you're getting overlooked. Can you be faithful with what you're doing? And I'm not talking primarily about serving at church. Yes, serving at church is part of it. People need to step up and do the jobs that no one else is doing. And I honor all of you that that show up here at however early you get here. to to make this happen, and you serve throughout the week, and you do other things, I honor you for that. But are you serving in the world? What about the other six days of the week? Maybe you're thrown into a sheep pen. Maybe a boss has asked you to do something, and you're sitting there grumbling, why why, why, why me? You're just like, no, 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 no. There's something to learn here in the sheep pens. Even though you're being overlooked, We sometimes think that we're out of God's will when we serve in the sheep pens, being punished. But can I tell you that that the Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And there's a journey and there's a process that you need to to be a part of. There's, There's things you need to learn in these sheep pen moments. So when God does promote you, you have the character to steward the responsibility he's going to give you. Are you hearing me today? Some of you feel like you're overlooked. Some of you feel like you're unnoticed. But God knows exactly where you are. He knew where David was far out in the field. He knew exactly where he was. So when he called, he knew. He hasn't left you there. He doesn't like, well, I don't know where, where, where they went. They were here last Sunday. No, he knows exactly where you are. So what are you going to do in those moments? Are you going to be faithful with the little? 
At the end of our lives, we all want to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful steward or servant. Be faithful, be fruitful. You can be trusted with more, so cultivate that integrity in your life, in my life. You see, David took on a bear and a lion, and he took on a giant. Be faithful to the process. Because I think he learned things in solitude you can't learn in a book, conference, or seminar. There's things that you can only know when you are alone with God. When nobody is asking you to do the things that everyone else wants to. It's in those moments where you get the gut check and the heart check, and God just goes, okay, I'm going to build something in you right now. And you're like, that's not fun. No, it's not. You're right. You're not, it's not fun. But you'll be glad he did when you're faithful with that. He's my counselor, my guide, my healer, protector, saver, friend, liberating king, prophet, and priest. You see, I noticed that young leaders have often wanted opportunities that could advance them further and faster. In my world, they've offered to, hey, can I lead worship? Or, hey, can I do this? Or, hey, can I get on the stage? Or, hey, can I do the things that maybe you get more affirmation for? And, but trusting my discernment, I didn't always get it right. But sometimes I said, no, no, you need to stack chairs for a little bit. You need to do the jobs that everyone is able to do, but very few are willing to do. And as I watched their lives, needing to see them in the sheep pens first, I watched in many of them, God build character to steward the responsibility and the weight of leading at that level. It took some time. The Bible, Bible describes that the kingdom of God grows like mustard seed and yeast. If I said to you, hey, Let's, uh, you know, if you guys ever in Edmonton, hey, why don't you come over to my house? Yeah, that'd be great, Paul. Great. I I've got some dough rising. Let's all watch that. <laughs> or I planted, come over in the spring, I'll plant some mustard seed. We can all stare at the backyard and go, wow. See, it's not exciting. It's a journey. The kingdom of God, it grows slow, but here's the deal. It goes everywhere. Just a little bit of yeast. In the dough, affects the whole batch. Did you know a mustard seed back in the day was illegal to plant in some places? Because it would take over the entire garden. It would just grow and grow. You see, Jesus, was, the kingdom of God, when he was, when he was leading, it, he, he reached the highest, his teaching reached the highest levels of government. You see, the kingdom of God, it grows slow, but it goes everywhere. Just, be, just let the kingdom of God, just a little piece, get inside of you. And all of a sudden, you'll start to see the fruit of the Spirit. All of a sudden, you'll start to see things fall into place if you'll allow God on the inside. This can't be an external religion where you just, you just say, well, I'm, 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 you know, I come to church, you know, I read a chapter a day to keep the devil away, and I'm doing all those things, and, dee -dee 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 -dee, and everything. You know, Jesus is just, it's like a little pixie, just a little pixie dust everywhere. No, 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 no. you got to get it on the inside. You gotta wrestle, you gotta work out your salvation. You gotta allow it. It'll grow slow, but it goes, goes everywhere. And what happened is I saw young leaders who couldn't wait for their opportunity, force doors to go open, or find other leaders that were more impressed with their gifting than their character. And today, I'll, sadly, some aren't even leading anymore, some aren't even serving Jesus anymore, because they became impatient with the call of God in their lives. And I'm not throwing them under the bus, I've done it too where I've tried to force doors open. They were good opportunities, but they weren't my opportunities. The third thing, he took David from tending the ewes and the lambs. Two things. 
To take somewhere, some, to take someone somewhere, you got to know where they are. So he knows exactly where you are. He hasn't forgotten about you. The second part of taking speaks of God going with you. He's going with you. If I was going to take somebody somewhere, I'm not, I'm not just you know, throwing them. I'm going with them. Taking, that means that there's an implication of proximity, that he's journeying with you. You see, God calls David, but then doesn't stand off at a distance. He walked with David every step of the way. He calls you, but he doesn't, he doesn't leave you. He walks with you. He chose you, he called you, and he takes you. He takes you to those places. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You know, uh, I heard a speaker at YC talk about uh, uh, this, the, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, if I was a sheep and I saw the shepherd and know what that shepherd used that rod or staff for, that would not comfort me. It was not like they're giving me a massage with the staff. It's like smack, get back in line, you're wandering off the path. Smack, smack, you know, it's just constantly like guiding. It's not comfort, but... But if you knew what was carved into the staff, you'd understand why the sheep would appreciate it. You see, what shepherds would do, that's their prayer journal. Every time God did something amazing for them, they would carve something into their staff. Every time he answered a prayer, he'd carve something into their staff. It was basically their prayer and praise reports. This is where God showed up. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so when shepherds would get together, they'd say, talk about what you've carved into your staff. Well, I remember when God did this, and I remember God did this, and I remember God did this, and I remember God, wow, what about you? I remember when God did this, I remember God. It was testimony time. What would it do? Why did it comfort you? Because it showed God's faithfulness. That if he's with you, and if he's for you, who can be against you? So he's going with you, and your rod and staff, those testimonies of people who have gone on before should encourage us. That God is actually going with you. So many times we see, go and be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Why? Because I am with you. And even if you go on to the rest of Psalm 3, he sets up a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My friend who's a pastor bought sheep just so he would, it was weird, he just bought a couple sheep. (laughs) He just bought sheep because he wanted to know what being a shepherd would be like. You know, he told me, he he told me this, it took two weeks before the sheep would eat in front of him. He had to sit with them for hours because they just sit and stare. Why, Why are you here? I'm the shepherd. I'm just watching you eat. That's weird. And they're so antsy. Could you imagine sheep? He sets up a table for us as sheep in the presence of our enemies. Think about the comfort and trust that you could have in God that wolves are sitting around going, and you're just sipping on your tea going, because God is with me. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of picture. You can go out. God is with you. He called you. He, he chose you. He called you. He's going to take you, and he's going to make you. And the last thing is this. He's going to make you. He made him the shepherd of God's own people. You see, there's things that David learned in the sheep pen that prepared him for what God had planned for him in the palace. Did you know that God is making you right now? He's preparing you right now. Be faithful in the process. Did you know that that David didn't earn the kingship? It was given. The sooner you and I realize that the great things we do 
that are because of him. We're, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. It's God behind it all. It's God who does the good things in my life. I, I, left to my own devices, I would not be a good husband. I would not be a good father. Anything good I do, it's because of God. Anything good you do is because of God. You see, he actually makes us. That's good news. Because that should take the pressure off of you. I, I thought you'd get an amen there. I'm sorry. Some of you, some of you maybe like pressure. You want to put more weight on your shoulders. And you're just like, I don't have enough pressure in life. I'm going to add some more. Can I take some of it off of you? If you just be faithful. If, John 15 says, if you just are connected to Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. He's done all the work. All we got to do is stay connected to him. He's going to make you what he starts in you. He's going to finish. So wait for God's promotions. Don't try to force something to happen. This way we won't be overconfident in success or totally defeated in failure because he's behind it all and deserves all the credit. God chose me. He called me. He takes me and he makes me. And then you know what he does? He does it all over again. He calls me. You know, he chooses me. He calls me. He takes me and he makes me. You know what he does? He chooses me. He calls me. He takes me and he makes me. So in high school, 1993, July 1st, Canada Day, felt called to ministry. I wanted to play basketball for the NCAA, for Duke, and win the Final Four and have the song One Shining Moment. For those of you who know what that is, One Shining Moment. You know, and I can see myself cutting down the net. That was my dream. As you could tell with my height, I didn't have much of a chance. But anyways, so there I felt a call to go to Bible college. So he chooses me and, and he called me. And during those Bible college years, he formed some things in me. Then he took me and he, and he made me. And then when that was done, he's like, Paul, now I, I need to choose you from the sheep pens call you from that, and I'm going to put you in ministry, and I started out doing a tweener group, you know what a tweener group, like grades four to six, and I started a youth group of tweens, and then I was junior high, and I was doing these, we, we called SOS, everything was an acrostic back in the 90s, and for those of you who are in church, remember that, Super Outreach Saturday, and that's what I was, I was, I was doing that, and, it just, and I, I had me and two other guys who were Grade 11 and grade 12. And I would go, I did everything, start to finish. <clears throat> I, I, I would set up everything in the morning. I was the bus ministry. I was the setup team. I was the preacher. I was the teardown team. I, do, I did everything. Serving in the sheep pens. And then out of that, again, you know, God chooses and and he calls me, and he takes me, and he makes me. And then I go to Millwood's Christian School and, and become a, a campus pastor in the public school system. It, to explain it is just absolutely a miracle. <clears throat> I got to serve there, and then he chose me, and he called me, and he takes me, and he makes me, and moves me onto this and this. And, and, and here I am now working in a, in a place where I feel like I, I'm more, I eat more dinners alone now than I ever have. I, I feel sometimes being alone. You think, well, you work with a team and everything, but we travel so much. And Pastor Mike and I were talking about this. It can, be, it can be hard. And I feel sometimes like, I don't even know if I'm doing anything. 
And then God just begins to put some things again. And can I tell you that God is doing it again in me? This isn't a message that I preach that, that happened to me 20 years ago. This is something that's happening again. I feel God choosing me again for something else. I feel like he's calling me again for something. I'm not leaving what I'm doing. I'm adding to what I'm doing. I feel a pull in my heart to reach Canadians. I feel like this, this heart, my wife and I are feeling a renovation in our spirit for Edmontonians. What can we do? How can we reach our neighbors? What, what's another way that we can reach people for the gospel? Can I tell you this? I, I, this isn't a message that, that I pulled off of SermonCentral.com. This is something that I'm living. And then when I watch others, like I watch your pastors, chose you to do this, Nova Church. He called you to do this. But can I give you some encouragement? He's going to take you and he's going to make you. Whatever you're called to, maybe you're in education or maybe you're a first responder here or, or you're doing something in business or, or government, whatever you're doing, can I encourage you that God keeps choosing you? He didn't just choose you once. He'll choose you again for another assignment. There's more to this life for you. He chose you. He called you. He's going to take you and he's going to make you. So why give God your future? Well, other than he's omniscient, all-knowing, that's helpful. He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, that's also another great characteristic. He's omnipresent, means he's, he's, he's everywhere at all times. Other than he knows the beginning and the end, so that's another good thing that God's helpful for. He's, committing, he's committed to finishing the work that he started in you. Again, something helpful. He's going to do all the work, and you'll never be on your own. If those weren't enough reasons, I've got one more for you. Are you ready? It's so much more fun. Christianity was never meant to be boring. It was supposed to be full of fun and adventure. Did it mean it was always going to be Jesus and me, Tweedledee, and everything's fun, and it's all, all exciting, it's always sunny? No. But there's an adventure to it. There's fun to it. What an adventure I've been on. We just came out of our district conference hearing stories of, of, uh, of a lady that went to Tanzania and planted the first PAOC church there, and now there's something like 3,000 churches there all these years later. You hear a story about Ken Gates who went up to Hay River and nobody wanted him. So he started like a boys and girls club. He wanted to start a church, but nobody wanted him to have a church. The whole town basically, get away, we don't. Not only did he plant church, he planted churches all in the north. He, he actually got uh, funding to build a hospital. He, like, to, to hear his story, it's absolutely unbelievable. Well, what did he do? He was chosen. He was called. He went, he obeyed, God went with him. When no one else went with him, he went up there. He caught a, he, he hitchhiked all the way up to Hay River. And he gets there, had no place to stay and had 50 bucks in his wallet. And he changed the North, Northwest Territories forever. We're hearing this story, chose him, called him, took him, he's gonna make him. And I hear these stories, and I hear the adventure, and I hear of God's faithfulness. And you know what they hear? I could, I hear over and over, I could not have pictured what God was going to do with my life because I said yes. Because I said yes. I said yes to the venture that God has. I want you to know today 
that you have an opportunity to say yes. For some of you, I'll speak to those in the room that that have a relationship with God. I'm wondering if there are people that are here today that would say, I've got to recommit that yes again. I've just been kind of feeling like I've been on pause. I feel like I've been in plateau, you know, and you're just sitting there. I don't have that adventure. I know God chose me and I called me, but I don't I don't feel it. And today you're saying, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to take another run at this thing. I'm going to look at my job differently on Monday. I'm going to look at the people differently on Monday because there's a mission for you. You are called by God, given the ministry of reconciliation. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're around people, you're called to them. So think about the people you're called to right now. He pulled you from somewhere to go there. And so I feel there needs to be this, in our church in Canada, while we want to plant churches, I also want to plant people and encourage them and say, you know what? You're called to be in education, and so we're going to bless you. It's not, being a pastor is not more important than that. We're all we're all called. We're all the same level. Maybe you showed up here today, and maybe this is your first ever time in church, and you made the courageous step to come here today. I, I want to honor you for that. I want to honor you for that. Maybe you didn't know what it was going to be like or what was going to be said or the songs and all that, but you, you're here because maybe somebody invited you or because you saw something on social media. I, I want to honor you and, and just say, wow, that is so courageous that you showed up. You know what You know what? the, the decision that, that in a moment I'm going to ask everyone to, to, to respond here, but, but maybe the best decision you can make is to come back next week. Like just come back next week. Get to know more people. Get to be in community. This church is amazing. But I, I'm wondering if there's also those in the room that are like feeling something on the inside. And you're just like, what is that? I, I'm feeling drawn to this, this Jesus. I'm feeling drawn to this purpose. I'm feeling drawn to this love. I'm feeling drawn to this grace. Can I tell you? And I wish I had time to pull people up on stage and give you their testimony and say, it was the best decision I have ever made. I can tell you stories of marriages that have been restored. People have been healed. Purpose has been rediscovered. All by saying yes to God. Yes to Jesus. It's not any work you can do or anything you can earn. It's a free gift of salvation. And it's simply a prayer of of asking Jesus to come into your heart. Asking Him to be the Lord of your life. Not asking you to be perfect. Not asking you to live uh, according to a bunch of religious rules. He's just asking for you to start a relationship with Him. In a moment, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. So, if you bow your heads, I want to talk to those first who have a relationship with Jesus, and they're feeling like I just want that purpose back. I'm, I'm going to lean back into this word again. He chose me. 
He called me. He's going to take me. He's going to make me. Maybe some of you have just decided to step out of that process. I'm asking you to step back in because you aren't being punished for being overlooked. You're not being punished for being unnoticed. It's part of the sheep pen. It's part of the purpose. It's part of the process. He's calling you back to be on mission seven days a week. And I want to include you in my final prayer. But if that's you, just lift up your hands and say, I just want to jump back in the process. Yep, thanks. Lots of people. Come on, put your hands up. This is for you and God. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. That's good. You can put your hands down. Anyone else saying, yeah, I just want to just get back in that process. I want to find purpose. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Maybe you're here today and you just, you've never started that relationship with Jesus. And I want to include you in my final prayer. And if that's you saying, I want to start this relationship, I want to find purpose, I want a brand new start at life. I don't want to lead my own life because it hasn't led me anywhere productive. But I'll give God a chance. And if that's you, just lift up your hand to look my way. And I want to include you in my prayer. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you, yeah. Is there anybody else? This is a big moment for you, and I honor your courage. But I don't want to leave anyone else out. Yep. Thank you. So God, I pray for those that are that that have started this relationship with you and I'm praying God right now that you would stir a fire. We sang that song, fire never sleeps, but sometimes we feel like it's sleeping. I'm praying for an awakening to start in their lives, that they would see their world with new eyes today, that they that they would understand that they're chosen and they're called and that you're going to take and you're going to make them. That they're going to jump back into this process and jump back into the game and not be a spectator as Pastor Mike talked about but to get in the game but not just on Sundays six the other six days of the week as well I'm praying for that fire to start in them again in Jesus name I, I know you may feel like all I did was put up a hand and sometimes we think that, that it has to be some big emotional response, but often it just starts with a decision, and I honor you for making that decision today. For those of you who said, I'm jumping back in the game. I'm jumping back into the process. So Jesus, I just come alongside their prayers, and I agree with them. For those seven or eight, God, and maybe more that I didn't see, God, I pray for those that responded today to the gospel, responded by saying yes to you. And so as they say a simple prayer, as they uh, uh, make that decision in their heart to follow you, I'm praying, God, that, that this would be a moment that would be a game changer for them. That from this moment on, that some, like a domino would be pushed over and other dominoes would begin to fall of really good things. So God, as they pray that prayer of forgiveness, as they pray that prayer of invitation, of inviting you into their life, We know that all of heaven is rejoicing, as the scriptures tell us. And so we thank you today, God, for those that responded. We we honor them, we love them, and we're going to come alongside and encourage them. So we thank you for your goodness today. At the end of our lives, God, we're we're all going to say not how good we were, but we're going to say how good you are. Because you are faithful, and we thank you, and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That was so good, eh? Can we stand to our feet today as we get ready to dismiss? Worship team's going to play as we dismiss in a moment. I want to encourage you. He's still making us. Amen.
I'm not where I was. I may not be where I need to be, but he's making me. Amen. We want to encourage you. Next steps is starting right after the service. Uh, if you prayed that prayer, you say, I want to give my life to Christ for the first time. Can you take the same card? And it says on there, it says, I gave my life. I'm committing my life to Christ today. Take that to the welcome wall. We have an extra special gift for you today. Just take a moment. Just drop it off just so we can give you a great gift today. Uh, it's been a good morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, our youth should be back. Coffee is flowing. Next Steps is happening. Let me bless you. Father, I bless our church today. I thank you that you are taking us. You're calling us. Father, that you've chosen us. And today, you are making us into who you've called us to be. Bless their week. Bless their finances. Bless their families and relationships. Bless their health today. Bring us back together more on fire for your purposes and more like you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, we love you. God bless you. Have a great week. God bless you.